0: Well, this morning we are continuing our, uh, our talk about ways that we believe we can change the world. And we, uh, we remind you that as we do that, we are not saying that we are doing something wonderful and that's why we believe we can change the world. We believe we can change the world because God invited us into his kingdom plans. We know that God wants to change the world. He wants to transform it. He wants to bring grace and mercy and hope and love to the world. And so when we connect with Him, when we're following His will, when we're trying to work alongside of Him, we believe that we can make a difference because of who God is, not because of who we are. And last week, we talked about uh, the Helping Hands uh, crisis ministry and uh, how that has made such a difference in this community I just got an email this week from a, from a family saying, hey, I just wanted to let you know uh, we found ourselves in a situation we didn't want to be in. Uh, we, we, we were afraid, we were embarrassed, we were uh, ashamed. We, we went down there, we were approached with love, respect, and just pass along to your church that uh, you never know who you're blessing through those kinds of ministries, and uh, uh, Many of us know what it's like to be one paycheck away from, from ending up in that situation. So we, we celebrate that ministry. If you ever want to help out with that, it's Tuesdays, four to six, down at the Property Owners Association building. I know they would appreciate your, your prayers. And, and uh, the other way we support that is through your financial gifts. And so we appreciate uh, your generosity in that. This morning, we are going to be talking about Guatemala. What you saw there was uh, this summer in June, uh, the women went down. I spent, uh, Lori and I and the girls spent uh, a part of my sabbatical down there. And then uh, in September, the the men went down. And we, there's a children's home in Guatemala that we support. It's called La Cinda, which in uh, uh, Spanish means the way. Pam and Steve English are the uh, missionaries there. We actually met them in a seminary. Uh, Lori and Pam taught in a school together. They rode together each morning, got to know one another. And then once uh, we, uh, we got into different places, we hooked up again and we've been, we've been trying to support them. What you saw there was their campus. It's in a it's in Sumpango, Guatemala, about 30 minutes from Antigua, about 40 kilometers from Guatemala City. It's not the tropics like you might think, it's actually in the mountains. The elevation there is 6,000 uh, 6, feet. Uh, nice and cool, it rains there. Uh, uh, mountains, volcanoes, it's, it's a it's very pretty, pretty area. Uh, what you saw there was their, their campus. Uh, about 10 years ago, that didn't exist. Uh, Steve and Pam started out by being in a, in a, uh, in a dump. They, they went down there and did a dump ministry because in, in Guatemala City, uh, in the center of town is the huge city dump and that's where all the poor people gravitate to. And they they'll scrounge through for food and everything. The kids, I mean, you can imagine the kids have sores on their feet feet and, and the illness that is a part of that. Then they made a decision that uh, they wanted to to make a permanent change in some kids' lives, and so uh, they they decided to to start a home where they would keep children from the time they get them until until they're old enough to, to move out. And even beyond that, they, in Guatemala, there's a big family structure, so they want to provide that, that for them. At this point, they have 24 kids. Uh, they're, they're moving. At one point, they had like seven in diapers. Now they're getting to the point where they have seven in teenage years. And I think teenage is worse than diapers, actually. But uh, the, the kids that you saw at the beginning, those are the, those are the ones that live there. I wonder if you could pick out their two natural-born kids—the <laughs> blonde hair and white. Uh, the, but uh, they have been—they have been doing that. When we—when we send mission teams down, uh, the women have been down th- for three years now. And when they go, what they typically do—they—they uh, they have uh, started a school and. Uh, uh, that has 100 students now. Uh, Not only the kids that live there, but uh, kids come from uh, the surrounding area. They have uh, 100 kids now. Their goal for this next year is 125. He thinks if he can get to 125, it'll get it to a break-even point uh, financially. Uh, They have uh, 100 kids come to school. What the women uh, do is uh, they go in, they'll help out with the school. They clean. Uh, This year they had new classrooms, and uh, they... They painted the inside of those classrooms. Uh, they spent time doing in-services with the teachers and the nannies. Uh, they, they just make connections with the, the children as well. It's a, it's a neat experience. Uh, if you are ever wanting to, to try a mission trip, you can, you can follow that through the women's ministry and, and, and see about that. The men, when we went... Uh, what you saw us building was the most gigantic playscape I've ever seen in my life. Uh, they could have four hurricanes and that thing's not going anywhere. Uh, I think all a hundred kids from the school can fit on it at one time. But uh, last year when the men went down, we did some some work that sort of helped uh, in their dorms and stuff. This year when we went, we built that that playscape and uh, uh, you, you saw what happened. It, the, the neat thing about this year's project is it was something that benefited everybody. No one gets all excited about like painting a room, but they did get excited about having a slide and swings and all that kind of stuff. So that, that, was, that was neat to see. And so I just wanted to, to share that with you. We've got some folks this morning that were on those trips, men's or women's. If you, if you guys went, would you mind standing for us? Come on. it's a, it's a, uh, it's a neat thing. Some of us are still experiencing some stomach issues from that. And there's, there's all sorts of little extra blessings that go along with a a mission trip. Uh, But it's, it's, uh, this is a neat ministry. I want to talk more in general I just want to give you a little history about Lucinda, but I want to talk more in general about what they're doing in that ministry. What they're doing is giving a home to people who don't have one. They're giving, they're giving a home to, they're giving parents to kids who have none. A lot of those kids you saw go across the front of the screen, the reason they're there is because uh, They're victims of child abuse. Many of them, when they showed up on the door, were so bruised and and disfigured because of the abuse they'd suffered uh, that they're unrecognizable. Uh, Some of them, uh, illness, and parents abandoned them. One child in particular, Victor, had encephalitis. His head was swollen up. They called Pam and Steve at the hospital and said, hey, uh, parents abandoned him. He's not supposed to survive. We, we, we can't just let him sit in this hospital and die. Would you take him? Uh, they prayed because at that time they had six kids in diapers and now they're adding another one who's probably not going to make it. But they prayed and decided to, to take him. After prayer and uh, medical care, um, they, they put a shunt in his brain that allowed the fluid to, to drain and stuff. Uh, when he was... Six years old, they went back to the doctor to have the shunt changed. Doctor went in and said, you don't need it anymore. He's better. Um, just a little miracle that, that God provided. Uh, girls uh, coming from mothers of prostitutes. Um, are, yeah, their mothers were prostitutes. It's uh, it just horrible past. We, it's hard for us to imagine what it's like to not have parents. Some of us have, have gone through the loss of our parents through, through death. Some of you didn't grow up in, in, in knowing that. But can you imagine where mom and dad not only are gone, but they actually were against you? They were the ones that hurt you. And I know there may be some in this room who can imagine that. That's why we think that mission is is something to to support. Not only that mission, but ministries around the world that that reach out to people with hope. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is providing hope for the hopeless. Because maybe you're not in that situation where you don't have a parent who abused you or or you you weren't abandoned or you don't have a place to to call home. Maybe you you can't accept that. But perhaps you can identify with not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow by, being, by not being sure if you're going to be able to make it financially till the end of the month. I think you can probably identify with finding yourself in a situation that that makes everything uncertain for you. The diagnosis of cancer, uh, uh, health scare, the lo- the loss of a spouse—we can identify with feeling hopeless, and 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 much of the world is about hopelessness. There's there there are so many pathways to hopelessness. You don't have to go to a third world country to find hopelessness. You can find it amidst. Th- amongst the affluence that we have right here. It's not limited to the poor. Hopelessness dwells right around the corner from from each of us. But the reason we believe we can make a difference, one of the reasons we believe we can make a difference is because the God we serve is about hope, not hopelessness. The God we serve can find, can bring a blessing about in any situation, even the most tragic, even the most painful, even the most heartbreaking. Our God has a way of bringing about change and transformation, about bringing hope Remember, it's a common verse. You may have heard it before from, from Jeremiah. I'm a God who, who wants you to have a hope and a future. I have plans for you. That's, that's the God we believe in. That's the God that we believe can bring hope to the hopeless. I've got a couple passages I want to read to you. The first one is in Psalms. Uh, Psalm 9 Verse 18. But the needy will not be ignored forever. The hopes of the poor will not always be crushed. The needy will not be ignored forever. The hopes of the poor will not always be crushed. One of the things I admire about Pam and Steve is is their ability to to seek out something that everyone else wanted to ignore. The reason those kids were at the dump is because no one wanted to pay attention to them. The reason those kids were left at doorsteps and left in hospitals and abandoned in homes is because no one else wanted to pay attention to them. But the, the hopes of the needy will not always be ignored. There are those people that are a lot like Jesus, because Jesus had this ability too. There's those people out there that have the ability to to focus in on what the rest of us want to make go away. The thing that makes the rest of us sort of cringe or feel uncomfortable, they're drawn to it. That's that's the thing I admire about them the most, is their ability to, instead of seeing just feeling pity or sorrow, they felt a calling to make a difference. A calling, a moving, a passion that will not allow them to quit. You can, if you can imagine, if you have children, you, you maybe have one, two, three. If you're crazy, you got six, seven. Hey, try 24. And it, it, they have a couple nannies, but trust me, they, they operate as parents making them do their homework, making them obey, making sure their chores get done, making sure they get clean underwear on at least once a day. There's all those things that they have to operate on. That takes a calling and a passion. But the hopes of the needy will not always, uh, the needy will not be ignored forever. The hopes of the poor will not always be crushed. Let's look at the other one. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 14 and 15. This is Pam and the reason I put this in there, this was, this is their passion verse. This is why they do what they do. And I think it's a great verse for all of us. Whatever it is you're passionate about, we need to get involved. We, we, we spend too much time thinking about what Needs to be done. We, we're happy to complain about it. We can sit around and drink coffee and point out all the problems in the world. We can, we can get in arguments on email and Facebook about uh, what this should be, and, and they have polls on Facebook drive me mean, nuts. Stupid polls about vote about what do you like about this and that. We, I mean, we'll spend all our time doing that, but when do we get up and do something? Each one of you have a passion. There's something that moves each one of your hearts. There is something that when you see it, you're drawn to it. You don't turn away from it. That's why we talk about the body of Christ is a group of believers. Each one of us has gifts and blessings to bring to it. We're not asking you to be like me. We're not asking you to be like Pam and Steve. We're not asking you to do the thing everyone else does. We're asking you The way God created you, the passion he's placed in you, the place where your heart breaks, the the place where you are moved and drawn to action, use that for the kingdom. Every one of you has something to use for the kingdom. There is a hopeless person somewhere wishing that there was someone who cared about them. There is a brokenhearted person somewhere hoping that there's someone who could understand and empathize with their problem. Let's read this passage. Why would you do something like this? This is Paul writing, 2 Corinthians, beginning verse 14. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Or in other versions, it says Christ's love compels us. It controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have died to our old life. It's no longer something we own. It belongs to God. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. This is not just about missionary work. This is about Christianity. Christianity. And we've been talking about, we need to take it that level beyond Jesus loves me, this I know. That's great. And that's a starting point we all need to be at. But that's not not the gospel. The gospel is, Jesus loves me, this I know. And because of his love, and because of his power, and because of his grace, and because of his mercy, he connects with me and takes me from who I was to who he created me to be. And when I live into that potential, when I live into that power, when I live into that calling, I'm involved in ministry as with him. I'm a joint heir to the father. I am, I am a partner with him in ministry. I have surrendered my will for his. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives within me is another way he says it. That's the gospel. We've settled for this Jesus loves me thing. And that is wonderful. But Jesus loves you because he wants you to join him. Those of you that are parents, you love your children, but do you want them to to keep running around in diapers for the rest of their life? Your love means you have hopes and plans for them, right? Right? you you see the potential in them that no one else can see. Your love draws them to succeeding. That's the way God's love is for us. It's Christ's love that compels us to become more like him. It's Christ's love that that sends us out into the world. It's Christ's love that, that gives us that desire to do something no one else wants to do. That's that's how we make a difference. I just want to uh, leave you with, with, this, um, with this challenge. There is that part of you that is unique to you, that, that God has given you. It is a gift to the world. It is a light that's meant to be set up on a hill so that everyone might see it. Not for your glory, but for God's. There is that thing within you that you can bring hope. That you can be the instrument through which people find grace, mercy, joy, love. Every one of you has that. My question is, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? Why don't you bow with me? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for for that love that you have for us. God, that met us when we were hopeless, when we were lost. And we might not even have known we were hopeless and lost, but God, as we celebrated in baptism this morning, you, you not only created, but you, you care about us. You invite us. You empower us. And we celebrate your love. We celebrate that, that awareness that you have for us. But, but God, we want to take it a step beyond that. We don't want to just be ones that receive. We want to be people who in turn give. That what you pour out on us will, will flow through us and, and out into a needy, broken-hearted world. As our heads are about, we, we just pray for Pam and Steve, for the ministry they do there. We pray for the, the children that, that live there, for the children that go to school there, for the teachers and the, and the nannies and the parents that are involved in that ministry. Lord, give them the strength they need. Give them the perseverance they need. As these kids are growing up and, and trying to struggle through their past and come to terms with who they are and who they might be, Help them have an appreciation for the love and the gifts that they have received. Help them to to find their, their source of energy in you. And God, that's our prayer for each of us. And we pray that in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.